Psalms chapter 7, a meditation by David, which he sang to Yahweh concerning the words of Cush, the Benjamite. Yahweh, my God, I take refuge in you. Save me from all those who pursue me and deliver me, lest they tear apart my soul like a lion, ripping it in pieces while there is no one to deliver. Yahweh, my God, if I have done this, if there is iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil to him who was at peace with me, yes, I have delivered him who was without cause, was my adversary. Let my enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Yes, let him tread my life down to the earth and lay my glory in the dust. Sailor. Arise, Yahweh, in your anger. Lift up yourself against the rage of my adversaries. Awake for me. You have commanded judgment. Let the congregation of the people surround you. Rule over them on high. Yahweh administers judgment to the peoples. Judge me, Yahweh, according to my righteousness and to my integrity that is in me. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. Their minds and hearts are searched by the righteous God. My shield is with God, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, yes, a God who has indignation every day. If a man doesn't repent, he will sharpen his sword. He has bent and strung his bow. He has also prepared for himself the instruments of death. He makes ready his flaming arrows. Behold, he travails with iniquity. Yes, he has conceived mischief and brought out falsehood. He has dug a hole and has fallen into the pit which he made. The trouble he causes shall return to his own head. His violence shall come down on the crown of his own head. I will give thanks to Yahweh according to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of Yahweh most high. This um, song, it's interesting, it says, a meditation which David sang. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being at home in your prayer time and singing a prayer? Um, We've had times in church where we've had what we call free worship, where we've had a song and we, you know, we sing a chorus and then perhaps the music will keep playing and the worship leader will make up their own words. Well, it's something like that. And I don't know if you've ever been in a congregational moment where there's been free worshipping and you've sung your own words. That's what David's doing here. Now, I know when I was a young Christian, I used to often have my prayer times with my guitar in hand. I had an electric guitar, which I would not plug in. And with an unplugged in electric guitar, I could play and it would just be quiet enough like early in the morning, five o'clock, where I could hear it, but no one else in the house would hear it. A normal guitar everyone would hear. But my unplugged electric would be just loud enough for me in my room, and I used to worship the Lord. And I used to sometimes sing my own prayers. Well, that's what David's doing here. Now, this song, that he's, this meditation is concerning Cush the Benjamite. It's not a good song. <laughs> when we were going through Samuel, we found out that Saul... King Saul, who was the king before him, was a, um, a Benjamite, and he, he was the son of Kish. And uh, there are quite a few people who were Cushites, these are Benjamites, that were relatives of Saul's. So what we think, is, which is me and lots of people who write about the Psalms, we think 
that the um, the person David's singing about here is a relative of Saul's. We think that there's somebody that didn't like the fact that David was now the king and Saul was no longer the king. And um, we don't know whether this happened after David became the king or whether it happened in that period of time where Saul was still the king and chasing David. It could have happened then as well. In any case, there's somebody that was out there, a relative of Saul's, we believe, that was saying nasty things about David and this is a, as a, kind of like a prayer and a song brought to the Lord about that person. Now you imagine there's somebody that's just doing the wrong thing by you. It's, it's completely um, inappropriate and you bring it to, let's say, a court. You bring it to a judge. I had a friend once who, uh, and this psalm is exactly like that. This is what has been called by C.S. Lewis a plaintiff psalm. So you all know C.S. Lewis, the famous um, you know, biblical writer. He wrote a lot of famous Christian books, especially the Narnia series for the children. Uh, the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe is his most famous book. He wrote that and lots of other things, but he wrote a book called uh, Re Recollections on the Psalms or Thoughts on the Psalms. Anyway, I have the book and I've been consulting it. And he called this a plaintiff psalm because a plaintiff is someone who goes to court before the judge and brings a request. And they might say, my neighbor won't pay half the cost of the new fence. <laughs> so the judge will look at the situation and make a ruling and say, the neighbor, because they were uncooperative, they have to pay two thirds of the fence or you know, just make them pay half or pay half plus the court costs. So the judge will bring a ruling, but you, when you go to the judge, you're the plaintiff. So this is a plaintiff psalm. This is where David goes before the Lord and he's complaining about this Cushite guy because this Cushite guy is doing him harm. Um, I had a friend years ago who lived on a property and the property was kind of like behind other properties. This is a big property, a couple of hundred acres. And the only way to get into his property was to drive through a neighbor. There was a, you know, there's a main highway a big property here with an easement road that went through and then his property was at the back. Now there was, a, this easement was put in place which allowed him to drive through the edge of the neighbor's property to get to his property. So he was legally allowed to do that and that was part of the conditions of owning that second land. But the first neighbor didn't like the fact that people drove through his property. So periodically <laughs> he would come down to the easement and sit there with his gun and occasionally would fire the gun off and not actually at the car or at the people in the car, but just enough to cause everyone anxiety. So this friend of mine decided had enough. So we got a solicitor to write a letter and say, you know, you need to stop doing it. Well, it only made that first neighbor even crankier. So in the end, he had to take it to court, a plaintiff case. He had to go and complain about the way that he was treated because it wasn't right. And in that type of a situation, you're wanting justice. And when you get justice, you're getting something good for you. Now, a lot of times as Christians, we think we don't want justice because we're thinking that, that if we go before God, we deserve hell and we deserve punishment because we're sinners. Yeah, in that type of a situation, we're not the plaintiff, we're the defendant, <laughs> we're the person that's been accused, but thank God, Jesus stands in our place and we're forgiven and we don't get justice. But in these, this psalm is a plaintiff psalm. So when it talks about justice, it's talking about something good that you will get. And there's still a place for this. 
especially when we're praying for others. We go to the Lord and we say, Lord, it's not fair how those people are being treated. Lord, deliver them. So we never pray against people, but we do pray like, like as if we're going to court for deliverance. And this psalm is one entirely like that. He says things like this. My shield is with God. He saves the upright in heart. He also talked about the wicked person. He said in um, verse 13 that God has prepared for him instruments of death. In verse 15, the, the wicked has dug a hole and has fallen into his own pit. Like Haman in the book of Esther. Like Saul in the book of Samuel. Like Absalom in 2 Samuel. Like Satan dug his own pit. So there are many people who oppose the Lord and the Lord's people, but they will fall into their own pit. In verse 16, it says, the trouble they cause will come back on their own heads. I want to finish with a few thoughts. Um, we still have enemies today. So David had clear enemies like this Kushite, this um, person from the tribe of Benjamin. And David went to the Lord in a plaintiff case saying, Lord, deliver me of this person. We still have situations like this sometimes where we go to the Lord and ask for deliverance. So we deal with the enemy in two ways. We deal with the enemy in person by loving them, but we deal with the enemy in another way by going to the Lord and asking the Lord to deal with them. So there's these two ways. When we ask the Lord to deal with them, we're not praying for them to be killed for them to be struck down, for them to be driven away, for them to be given terrible diseases. We're not praying harm upon them, but we're praying for the Lord to deliver us from the evil that they're causing. So you may have, like the friend I told you about, who went to the judge. He wasn't wanting harm to come to the guy with the gun. He just wanted safety for his family. So the judge was able to issue a, um, what do they call that thing? A, restra a restraining order. So the judge issued a restraining order on that first neighbor and would not allow him to do that. And if he did that, he would have gone to jail. So the judge was able to deliver to them the thing they requested, which was safety. So if you have got someone in your life that's causing you pain, like David clearly did in this, you're gonna deal with it in two ways. You're gonna do what Jesus said in the New Testament by loving your enemies. You treat the person kindly but you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, deliver me from this person. Paul tells us that when we repay good for evil, you know, when someone's treating us terribly, but we repay them back good, he said we pour burning coals upon their head. This is what David actually did to Saul. Saul was trying to kill him, but twice David spared his life. He repaid good for evil. And in doing so, burning coals were poured upon his head. And so those burning coals they are two things. At least I, the way I understand it is that they're, they're two things. The first thing they are is the coal of conviction. So when someone's is treating you badly, but you repay them back by treating them well, you make them feel bad. <laughs> and that bad feeling is supposed to show them that their behavior is wrong and bring them to repentance. And sometimes that's exactly what happens. You've got people who they are the enemies of God or the enemies of God's people, but through that process, they turn around and become saved. They're reconciled. That's what you want. In uh, the book Tortured for Christ by Richard Wormbrand, he describes these communist prisoners who did terrible things to him when he was in jail. But some of them, because they treated them kindly in return, they became believers. 
This is exactly what we're talking about. You pour the coal of conviction upon their head. But sometimes those people harden their hearts and very sadly they go into an eternal state of condemnation where the coals of judgment are poured on their head even worse. So when you are showing kindness to someone, you're giving them conviction and a chance to repent and it works for some. But for others, it causes their heart to harden and their judgment becomes even worse. That's very sad. So the love of Christ, I guess, is polarizing. It either saves and softens people's heart or it hardens and pushes them away. Some people have said, oh, I'm going to be kind to my enemies so that they can have a worse time in hell. Well, that's actually not love. So if, if someone was going to, to do a so-called loving deed for someone else, but the reason they're doing it is so that they can have a worse time in hell, that's very unloving. That's not what Paul's talking about, and that will not work. In fact, that may even be dangerous for your own soul and your heart. The type of love that Paul's talking about repaying good for evil is genuine love, genuine desire for them to repent. The coals you want poured upon the head are the coals of conviction so that their heart might be softened and saved. Verse 17, the psalm finishes, I will give thanks to God according to his righteousness and I will sing praises to his name. Lord, we thank you that you hear our case, that we can come to you with needs. And Lord, we all have needs. Lord, we've all been treated unfairly by people at times. And I pray for our deliverance, Lord. And right now, I would pray for the deliverance of the Ukrainian people from their Russian oppressors. Father, and there are other people around the world who are oppressed. Lord, deliver them. I ask, Lord, that you would deliver us too from the oppression of the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen.